are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You open your Bible again to Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53, I want to speak this morning on the subject, Come Back to Calvary. Come Back to Calvary. In Isaiah 53, I want you to notice verse number 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now all of us understand that Jesus bore our sins on the cross. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. But all of us do not understand what it says in verse number 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And in verse 5, right in the middle of that verse, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Now, there are three other things that he bore for us on the cross. He bore our iniquities. We all know that. But the Bible says, He hath borne our griefs and our sorrows and the chastisement of our peace. In other words, the departure of our peace, the punishing of our peace. He died on the cross not only to give us salvation, take care of the sin question, but he also paid the penalty on the cross so that you and I could have our griefs taken away and our sorrows taken away and the chastisement of our peace taken away in order that we might have peace. Our Heavenly Father, bless our discussion for these few moments. I pray that we'll listen as unto eternity, as an eternity-bound preacher, speaking to eternity-bound people. In Jesus' name, amen. Follow me very, very, very carefully. In recent weeks, I have taken you to Calvary. In our Bible studies on Wednesday night, in our sermons on Sunday morning and Sunday night, it has not been unusual for me to take you to Calvary. I have showed to you that the law shows us our necessity or the necessity of our going to Calvary. And that by a single act of faith, you can appropriate salvation for yourself. Let me say that again. By a single act of faith, you can appropriate salvation to yourself. Let me say that again. By a single act of faith, you can appropriate salvation to yourself. The moment that you realize God's wonderful story of love, the fact that Jesus paid your sin debt. He carried your iniquities, your sin, to Calvary. 
and paid in full your sin debt. All you have to do is appropriate that by faith. Let me illustrate. Last Monday and Tuesday, I preached somewhere. Where was it? Irma? Where did I go Monday and Tuesday? Yeah, yeah, Boston, Massachusetts area. Little suburb of Boston, Brockton, Massachusetts. I stayed there in a motel. But I checked out Wednesday morning, bright and early. I went up and put my key on the desk. The clerk said, this is a direct billing, sir. All you have to do is sign. That meant that the place where I was preaching had already arranged for my lodging. All I had to do was believe that they had and sign an acknowledgement of that belief. They did not ask me what kind of life I had lived while I was in the hotel, though I lived an exemplary life. They did not ask me what I ate while I was in the motel. They didn't ask me if I had been baptized or what church I belonged to or whether or not I had paid anything lately to the hotel. All they asked me to do was believe that my room had already been covered, paid for. Somebody had paid my debt. When I, by faith, was willing to believe that, then their payment was appropriated to my debt. Now, ladies and gentlemen, every one of us is in debt to God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But Jesus went to the cross. And on the cross, he paid in full your payment for a heavenly mansion forever and ever. You say, what do I have to do to make it appropriated to me? Or appropriated to me? All you've got to do is accept it. Believing that he did it. You don't join a church to do it. They didn't ask me to join the Sheraton Hotel chain. They said, your debt, your pay, your room has already been cared for. The price has been paid. You sign here. I got my pen out and I signed there and they gave me a copy and it sat on there, paid and I didn't pay a thing. Now, if you don't, look, look, I could have said, I don't care, I don't believe that. I believe i got to join the hotel. I could believe i got to get dipped in the swimming pool out in the back. I believe i got to live a good, good life while I'm here. And you can believe it all you want to believe it, but all I had to do to get my bill paid was to acknowledge the fact that it had been paid already. Oh, if people could just understand what it means to have salvation. Ask the average person on the streets of Hammond today what it means uh, to have salvation. And they'll answer something like this. I go to church every once in a while. I belong to a church. I've been confirmed. I have a pretty good life. It doesn't matter whether you belong to the church or not concerning your salvation. It doesn't matter whether you've been confirmed or not. It doesn't matter what kind of life you live. The question is, have you appropriated by your faith in Jesus Christ His payment for your sin and accepted the gift of eternal life as paid for on the cross? 
Now, that's the first time we come to Calvary. In recent weeks, I have taken you to Calvary and showed you what I just said. Then I have taken you back to Calvary in recent weeks for a second visit. I reminded you not only that Jesus paid the penalty for your sins and your salvation on the cross, and that by your simple act of faith you can appropriate that gift and make valid your salvation. But I showed you that not only did Jesus Christ die for your iniquity, for your salvation, but I also showed you how that Jesus died for your sanctification, for your growth in grace, if you please. And by using that same plan of salvation, now hear me carefully, you go to Calvary for salvation, realizing you're a sinner, realizing you cannot save yourself, believe that Jesus has paid the price for you, and by a simple act of faith, appropriate that price to your debt, and that moment you're saved. Well, how do you feel? doesn't say how you'd feel. That moment you're saved. Well, do you tingle? doesn't say whether you tingle or not. It says by an act of faith, and anybody in this room this morning who will realize that you are a sinner, like all of us are, and that sinners are lost, but that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, came and paid the penalty for your sin, and you will rely upon that payment as your hope for heaven, therefore believing that you have eternal life, you do have eternal life. But we go back to Calvary again. We go back for sanctification. We use that same plan of salvation. I made mention of it last Sunday night, I think it was. And in recent weeks I often have made mention of this same great truth. As a simple act of faith, brought me salvation. Even so, that simple act of faith appropriates God using me. I said this, I think, last Sunday night. Or, yes, last Sunday night. I believe this morning that God is using me right now. I believe that. I believe at this very moment the God of glory is using me. I believe that God is speaking to dozens of people in this room right now through this preacher. Not because I'm a good speaker, because I'm not. Not because I'm brilliant, because I'm not. Not because I'm intelligent, because I'm not. But because I have been to Calvary in the last week. And I have told God that I believe that Jesus not only paid for my salvation, but that he paid for my sanctification, and I believe that God is going to use me this morning. I'm not used because I'm good. I wasn't, I'm not saved because I'm good. I'm not being used of God this morning because I'm intelligent. I wasn't saved because I was intelligent. I was saved by a simple act of appropriating God's gift of eternal life by my faith in what He did, not what I do. And God is using me right now for the same reason. I have appropriated by a simple act of faith God's power using me this morning in this service. But now, let's go to our message this morning. I take you back to Calvary again. I've taken you to Calvary to tell you that by an act of faith in what happened there, you can have eternal life. I took you back to Calvary to let you know that by the same act, by an act of faith, the same plan, you can go back to Calvary and be used of God by an act of appropriating God using you and God's power by your faith. Now, there's something else. I take you to Calvary again. A while ago, we read that our iniquities are on him. But we also read something you rarely ever hear. Surely he hath borne our griefs 
and carried our sorrows. Ladies and gentlemen, you go to Calvary for salvation. You go to Calvary for sanctification. You also go to Calvary for relief from suffering and grief. He has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. So what do you do? That same plan of salvation. I am a sinner. I cannot do it myself. He did it for me. I believe he did. And by an act of faith, I appropriate salvation. And I'm now a child of God on my way to heaven. I go back to Calvary. Same plan of salvation. I am a sinner. I cannot serve and be used in my own strength. I cannot do it in my own power. But on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty so I could be sanctified and used of him. And by faith, I appropriate God using me. But I go back to Calvary. I have a burden. I go back to Calvary and use that same plan of salvation again. And I say, dear Jesus, I have a, 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 a sorrow this morning. I have a heartache. I'm coming to Calvary because you bore my sorrows just like you bore my sin. Now, hear me carefully. That same simplicity of my sins being taken away by an act of faith takes my sorrows away by an act of faith. Takes my grief away by an act of faith. Let me illustrate. When I was a boy, President Lincoln was running this country. When I was a boy, my mother told me one day to go mow the yard. Now, mowing the yard then wasn't like mowing the yard now. Mowing the yard then was pushing one of those push lawnmowers. And we didn't have the kind of grass we have now. We had Johnson grass, and uh, name it. And I would mow the yard. Now, right across the street from where I was mowing our house, there was a vacant lot. In those days, boys didn't play little league ball. We played vacant lot ball. So I saw the guys across the street playing ball, and I hadn't mowed the yard yet. And they said, hey, come on, Jack. That's my name. And uh, come on, Jack, play ball. No, I can't, fellas. i got to mow the yard. An older boy said, come on, Jack. We need a pitcher. Uh, come on. So I left the lawnmower, as any intelligent young man would have done. And I went across the street, and I played ball. Now, here, don't leave me now. I played ball. I thought I'd get back in time to mow it. Got back. It was getting dark and didn't get the yard mowed before dark. I was afraid to go in. I was scared of Mama. I needed forgiveness. I went back over there. I told the other boy, I said, it's your fault. I wouldn't have played if you hadn't begged me. Now I've got to go back to Mama. He said, I'll go with you to your Mama, and I'll tell her it was my fault. I said, you would? He said, I would. We walked inside our little shack of a house, and he said, Mrs. Hiles... My name, he called his name. I can tell it to you what I want. He said, your boy Jack was out in the yard, and we asked him to come across the street and pitch some ball with us. He said, now, it's my fault. He said, blame me. Don't blame Jack. And I said, that's right, Mama. Blame him. Don't blame me. I was just a little fellow. I, I, I couldn't have been over 10, 12 years old. And uh, he said, blame me. Don't blame Jack. And my mother said, okay. She said, son, is that true? I said, yes, ma'am, that's true. And she said, okay, son, you're forgiven. That settles it. 
I believed I was forgiven. But I went outside. And I was still sad. Disappointed. Still had grief, if you please. Sorrow in my heart. And I said to this big guy, I said, I'm disappointed in my mama. And I was crying too because I had to move the yard the next day anyway. But I, I disappointed my mama. He said, okay, let's go back in there again. We walked back in there again, and he said, Mrs. Howells, you're not mad at Jack, are you? My mother said, well, of course not. She, he said, see there? Don't you believe that? No, I believe that. And Mama said, son, you come here to me. And I went and I put my head in Mama's lap, and she hugged me, and she said, son, don't you worry about it. It wasn't your fault. He said it was his fault. And son, don't you worry. <laughs> Mama, I feel so guilty. Son, you don't have to feel guilty. It's not your fault. It's his fault. And don't have to feel guilty. You see, the first time I went was for forgiveness. The second time I went was for she bore he bore my sorrows and carried my griefs. Let me say something, folks. Sin carries with it sorrow. Sin carries with it Guilt. Sin carries with it grief. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But Jesus comes to Calvary and says, Would you like your sins forgiven? And Jesus walks up and says, I'll go to the Father with you. And he says, Father, it was my fault. I paid the penalty. And I said, God, would you forgive me? And Jesus said, I paid the penalty. And I say, I believe that. And God gives me eternal life. And I'm saved. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Now my soul is free. In my heart your soul. Listen, you will never have the joy in your soul that you ought to have till all of a sudden you realize that by a simple act of faith, God has forgiven every sin you've ever committed and wiped your slate clean, and you are His child by faith in Him and faith alone, because at Calvary He took care of that. Though He's forgiven your sins and given you salvation, that doesn't take away the sorrow of sin. That doesn't take away the pain of sin. That doesn't take away life's griefs and life's sorrows. This morning, if you have sorrows in your life, don't you go to the psychiatrist, you go to Calvary. <laughs> you have griefs in your life today, don't go to the psychologist, go to Calvary. Jesus not only died for your sins or your iniquities and bore your iniquities on the cross, but He bore your griefs on the cross. You have a heavy heart this morning? You snuggle up to Jesus on Calvary and say, Jesus, I appropriated my salvation here once before. I appropriated my sanctification here once before. Now, Jesus, I'm going to leave my sorrow here this morning and believe that you have taken my sorrow away, and I'm going to walk away from Calvary with a heart that's full of cheer and joy, and I'll guarantee you the same Christ that took away your iniquities will take away your sorrow. But you say, preacher, I've got burdens. I understand. That's why he died. He bore not only your sins in his body on the tree, he bore your griefs in his body on the tree. That's why God's people can stand up and testify. And though the burdens are heavy and the load is unbearable and it seems like we can't face tomorrow, you go to Calvary and all of a sudden Jesus said, My child, not only are your sins forgiven, but my child, I died for you on the cross for your griefs and for your sorrows. 
and for your, the chastisement of your peace, leave your heavy burden at the cross. Just thought about this. When I was a boy, young man, young preacher, East Texas, we had a country church, and out in the pasture beside our church, we had cows, all kinds of cattle. We didn't. I mean, somebody else had it. It was, it was outside there. Anybody here ever get a tick? Do they have ticks up here? Anybody ever get a tick? And we'd look down, and I'd look down one day, and, and I'd see a tick right there. Sucking my blood out of me. Now, folks, let me give you a little tip about a tick. You don't pull it out. If you pull it out, that little do jigger he puts in there stays in there. You don't pull it out. Now, here's what we do. Now, follow me carefully. Here's what we do. We had a certain kind of oil we rubbed on that tick. And it suffocated that little booger, that little tick. It suffocated it. And what did it do? Well, he had, he had to let, let go. And he pulled his little, what do you call that thing? Do jigger, right? He pulled that little do jigger out. And why? Because the oil caused him to do it. But now wait a minute. As soon as he had pulled himself out because he was suffocating because of the oil, that oil stayed there. And that oil was used as antiseptic and soothing to the place where he had been. The oil was used twofold to get him out of the skin and to soothe the skin after he got out. And when Jesus Christ went to Calvary, he took your place. He bore your iniquities. Thank God. By a simple act of faith, you won't have a single sin charged to you in heaven ever again. Justified as if you'd never sinned. By that simple act of faith, that act of faith appropriates God's eternal salvation because He hath borne our iniquities on the cross. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord hath laid on Him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. But look carefully there on the cross and you'll see something else besides iniquity on Him. It says, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Did you know that's what, that's what they did to the brazen altar in the Old Testament. The brazen altar was something all about the size of the top of this pulpit. And on that brazen altar, the lamb was, was, was burned. It was killed and placed on that brazen altar. That brazen altar was a picture of the cross. Just as the lamb was slain in the Old Testament days for the sins of people, even so God's lamb 2,000 years ago was slain for your sins and for mine. But that altar was used for something else besides the slaying of a lamb. Did you know if somebody got afraid and were pursued, somebody was pursued by an enemy, did you know what he would do? He would run to that altar. And the altar had horns on it. One on each corner had horns. And he would hang on to the horns of that altar. And did you know that as long as he was hanging on to the horns of that altar, his enemy couldn't get to him? You find again and again in the Bible a fellow who's brought heartbroken, a fellow who's afraid, a fellow who's apprehensive. What does he do? He goes to the same altar where he gave, offered the lamb for his sins, 
And there he finds refuge and protection and strength and courage to face life. Two thousand years ago, God gave us an altar. That altar is called Calvary. Jesus died. And on that altar, he paid for your sin. And you will never get your sins paid for by joining a church, being baptized, being confirmed, going to confession, being taking communion, taking the sacrament. All of that may be good, but it won't get your sin paid for. Jesus paid it all on the cross. And everybody that goes to heaven will go there because they have come to the cross and said, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I'm lost, and I know that Jesus bore in his own body my sins on the cross. And that act of faith, get that now, that act of faith appropriates God's salvation to you. It's settled. You're going to heaven when you die. That sounds so simple. Let me ask you a question. If you had a child that ran off from home, would you make it hard for them to come back or simple? Somebody say, well, that's easy believism. Bless God. Thank God it's easy. Of course, God loves you. God wants you back. And God made it as simple as He could do. Within His own justice, He made it as simple as He could. And all you have to do is appropriate by an act of faith that eternal life to you. And this morning, if you're here, all you've got to do to go to heaven when you die. You say, oh, preacher, I don't believe that. <laughs> That's why you're not going to go to heaven, too. <laughs> you believe it, you go to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. But see, you make it too simple. I didn't make it. God made it. I'm just telling you what he, how He made it. You say again and again and again. He says, come. Him that cometh to me. Come unto me. Didn't say how you're supposed to come. Didn't say come with a good life. Didn't say come with a church membership. Didn't say come with a baptism. Didn't say come with a sacrament. Come. Come. How? Just like you are. Come. Come where? Come to the cross. And say, Jesus... I've never taken time to do this. I never realized it was this simple, really. But I understand it now. Maybe for the first time in my life, I understand it now. I can be saved. I can go to heaven by a simple act of faith in what you did for me on the cross. And I do accept you as my Savior and your gift of eternal life. And I believe I now have it. And you have it. But others this morning have been there to the Calvary already. And you know that you have eternal life, but you've got a mighty heavy load to bear today. Let me tell you, that same old cross that took away your sins can take away your sorrows. That same old cross that took away your sins can take away your griefs. That same old cross that took away your sins can take away your fears. That same oil that made that tick let go of me soothed me after he was gone. And that same fellow who came in and said to my mother, forgive Jack, it's my fault, came back in again and, and convinced me that my mother loved me and that I was no longer had, had, to be, had to feel guilty because my mother had forgiven me. And the same cross offers you life eternal, offers you comfort and solace and strength and courage. If the world from you withhold of its silver and its gold, and you have to get along with meager fare. Just remember, in his word, how he feeds the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Kneel at the cross. Leave every care. Kneel at the cross. Jesus will meet you there. 
Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. I love that old cross for the dearest and best, for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross, till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross, and exchange it someday for a crown. Oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God shed his glories abroad and paid it on dark Calvary. The three things I know this morning, hear me carefully, and I'll close. The three things I know, I know I'm saved. How do I know I'm saved? Because by an act of faith, I believe that on the cross he paid my sin debt. That's all. I tried to live a good life, but that's not why I'm saved. I belong to the church, but that's not why I'm saved. I've been baptized, but that's not why I'm saved. I take communion, but that's not why I'm saved. I'm saved because I appropriated eternal life by a simple act of faith in Christ and His penalty for me on the cross. That isn't all. God is using me right now. I know that as well as I know I'm saved. How do you know? Because I went back to the cross and appropriated His using me with the same act of faith of which I got salvation in the first place. Something else. I'm happy. I have burdens like you do. I have sorrows like you do. I have griefs like you do. But he bore them for me. And so I'm happy. I'm happy today. And the sun shines bright. All the clouds have been rolled away. For the Savior said, Whosoever will, may come with him to stay. This morning, if you've never been to Calvary and appropriated by an act of faith in what he did, your salvation, do it today. If you never come back in this church again, okay. But while you're here, put your trust and faith in Christ and accept his gift of life eternal and go to heaven when you die. Then, if you've been to Calvary for that, go back to Calvary. And with the same plan of salvation, you've got eternal life. You believe God will use you. And you appropriate by an act of faith God using you. And then if you've been to Calvary for that, go back this morning again. And there at the cross, look up in his face and nail-scarred hands and say, Jesus, I know you bore my iniquity. I also know you bore my sorrow and my grief. And with the same act of faith that appropriated salvation, I appropriate your joy. And I now have it because I believe it. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. See, from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did there such love and sorrow meet the thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine that were present far too small? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. If you don't know you're going to heaven, come to Calvary. If you don't know God is using you, 
come to Calvary. You have a broken heart today. Come to Calvary. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.